0: Welcome to the ProfServe Traction Podcast, dedicated to exploring how professional services and technology businesses break through the ceiling. Here's your host, Steve Preda.
1: So, welcome listeners. This is Steve Preda with ProfServe Traction, and I have Sean Harper with me today. And Sean is the owner and operator of American Services and Protection, a full-service security firm out of Columbus, Ohio. He mm-hmm. is also the owner of Bridge Builders International, a non-profit, interdenominational non-profit helping children in developing countries. He played for seven seasons as an offensive NFL lineman with the Colts, the Oilers, the Rams, and NFL Europe, and he is the author of The Winning Edge, Eight principle that Will
0: Bring Out the Winner in You. Welcome, Sean, to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Let's have fun for the time uh, being. And uh, hopefully we can extract some tools, thoughts, and principles to win at this game of life.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, listen, first of all, I love to have you on the show. And I'm kind of intrigued. uh, How does an NFL linesman becomes an entrepreneur with multiple
0: businesses? How does that work? Well, you know what? It's something that I kind of fell into, but it was a blessing as well. And so what I mean by that is, my brother owned a security firm and through uh, some unforeseen circumstances he had turned the control of the operation over to me and i promise you at that moment i was a deer in the headlights i had no business sense Um, i i I didn't understand and you know what actually to be truthful you know close to 20 years later i'm still learning and i'm still growing i'm still you know um, learning how to win at this game but what i did understand is i understand winning And I was able to graph that, not only from sports, but from the challenges that were in my life as far as the learning disabilities and, uh, you know, voted uh, most likely to fail, graduating last in my class in academics, barely starting in high school football, overcoming the adversity and the struggle and to push towards the win and I played with and for probably one of the most successful businesses in the world. That's the National Football League. It is a business. And so the things that I learned from playing in sports, uh, being around amazing players and coaches, styles, techniques, and strategies and methodologies, I begin to infuse them into the business world. And you know what? I started having a lot of wins. Um, m- wow. Normally, I try to stay away from the word success because that, to me, is a man-made construct. It's all about winning, and, uh, and <laughs> it, 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 it well, no, no, I mean, I mean, it is. I mean, the problem with success is that it's ambiguous, which means, and also, it's not static. I can be in Columbus, Ohio. Thank you so much for the skylight right there. That's very awesome. I've never had this happen before. But I can have $4 million living in Columbus, Ohio. And you know what? I'm doing well. I can have you know $4 million living in uh, Manhattan. And you know I'm okay. I can have $4 million in Dubai. And I'm like, whoa, you're struggling here. Trying to live downtown Dubai with only $4 million. So guess what? It's not static. And so what I've learned is that it is not static by design to always having you push more towards or towards what you probably already are. You're a winner. And so now infusing those concepts in corporate America, you know, everyone that works with me and work for me, you guys are already successful. The fact that you're here, you're successful. Now let's win. Can you imagine trying to tell Mark Cuban to be successful? Of he's already successful. Well, then what's, well, okay, so then what's driving him? What's, what's, what's driving these billionaires now? Is it success? No, they're the apex. It's the win.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's what I was able to bring to the corporate room. And that's what they to bring to the corporate culture. And that has so- allowed me to be in business for oh, about 20 years now. It's not
1: bad. That's very interesting. So, Sean, sure. so tell me a little bit about what it means to winning uh, with uh, American Services and Protection. What is it? What look- was that now? So what does it look like winning with American Services and Protection, your business?
0: Okay. What does it okay. look
1: like for you guys?
0: So, American Services and Protection is a full-service security firm based out of Columbus, Ohio. We serve in Central Ohio and the great state of Ohio and beyond. And so winning is that I was able to cut out all the gray cut out all the fluff and we have firm fixed targets this is what we're going towards now you look at the target and you assess the target you know sometimes daily do you have the tools to achieve this goal do you have what it takes? Do you have your mentor? Do you have people driving? Do you have your support system? Do you have what it takes to achieve this goal? And if so, then I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna let you win at it. I'm gonna let you do the best you can. And then if, if and when you come to me or you come to my operations manager, this is what I'm struggling with. Okay, this is an obstacle to your win. Then we will attack it like that. Now, what that does is that it gives a firm fixed target that every individual knows exactly what he or she, they understand the expectations and they know where they're going, that's number one. Number two, it forces teamwork, okay? Because it strips out the ambiguity because one person in IT is like, well, I'm successful, you know, the computer didn't crash and the other person over here in sales is like, well, I'm not successful, I don't have any sales. IT, you need to fill it too. So, when we played football, you know, and, and we would lose a game, the offensive line may have had a great game, but they're not walking in the locker room like, yay, all right, well, I did good. I, that's so, so myopic. No, you feel the loss and the same and vice versa. You may have had a horrible game, but we got the win and we celebrate the win together. Just now, I promise you, 15 minutes ago, I'm on a conference call with my supervisors. We had a site, no call, no show. That is like the dreaded. When you have a site that's not covered, that kills contracts. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting on the phone with them. And I'm like, what happened? Talk to me about it. Well, it's my, you know, this was under my responsibility. And I dropped the ball cheap. Now, normally it's like, okay, yeah. Okay, great. But then I had other supervisors on the phone. Like no one else is chiming in. Like you're going to let him burn like that. How come you didn't step in? How come you didn't step in? How come you didn't step in? How come you didn't drive your butt over there? Why? Because you're interested in winning the battle and not winning the war. I said, this is all, we'll pick up the pieces and fix it later, but you get in there because our client is our quarterback and we're the left tackle. And last night they got sacked. Okay, so how do you build that culture
1: which is focused on winning rather than winning the battle, uh, the war rather than just the
0: battles? So. One of the things that I do is that I elevate the win that everyone can agree in and that they can feel some of the win, okay? So you know how departments have, well, you know you, you got your numbers, you got that, yeah, oh, that's fine, okay? You made your sales call, yeah, that's great. But then there's a big win, there's a big win, it's all the way up there, this is the big win, okay? What are you doing for the big win? What are you doing to, Pick up, you know, so many contract hours a month. Now, for some people, it's the big win. You know, we all have a job, uh, we have job security. For certain personalities and temperaments, is the big win means X amount of bonus goes to every single person. Period. No matter you contribute this much or you contribute this much, the big win, we all get a, you know, we all get a party and we get a bonus, things like that. So I kind of, what's the word? I kind of minimize the individual wins, and then I focus on the big win. And then that brings about a culture of agreement. And when you have a culture of agreement, when people working not as together, but working as one, boy, you can get a lot done. It also brings a higher level of accountability because that person wants that five, 10, $15,000 bonus, right? But he's looking over at this other person. This person's on Facebook, like, hey, hey, hey. (laughs) What are you doing for the big win? Okay. You're letting us down. It's self-policing kind of like a captain on the football team, right? It's self-policing and yeah, it's, it, it, that's just one of the strategies you use, but yeah. So
1: how do you identify your big wins and how do you create the buy in the team into the big win? What's your process?
0: Okay. So the, the, Big win is derived from the company goals and visions and strategic plans for the year, or maybe a couple years out. So we'll pull a piece of that. And it has to, and this is how it flows into um, Mm -hmm. our overall strategic plan. And that's very important. That's a great question, by the way, it's very important because they have to understand how that piece fits the larger puzzle. Okay, Mm -hmm. that right there is the achilles heel to some corporations is because you know what they don't kind of share what's behind the veil and i'm sure you know you can't share everything but you have to allow them to see how that piece fits the puzzle and then how them themselves being present and what they do fits into the piece that fits into the puzzle okay Mm -hmm. the next thing that you brought up which is very interesting is wow i mean you're asking some some amazing questions, by the way, is that everyone is different. Every department is different. Everyone's mindset and vision is different. Okay. And so you have to be able to sell and I teach my leaders, all that you do is sales. You're selling right now. I'm selling, you know, I don't have a sweatsuit on. I don't have Indianapolis coats. I got the stadium in the back, but I'm professional. It's selling. You know, you, you are always selling um, um, the goals and the visions and everyone receives different. Everyone has a different bait. Bears like donuts, right? So it's like, okay, to a certain person, this will allow, this goal sells uh, for you and how you win is that it functions more effectively and efficiently and timely. Okay, that's that's you. The next person is, man, we're gonna have so much fun when this thing is achieved. The next person is, hey, you get the bonus. The next person is that you're getting, you know, you're really encouraging and helping everyone. But the real challenge is, is that if, is that in the actual weeding out process, if you have a person who's myopic and selfish, you know what? It might not work. So what I look for is I look for lions. I don't look for tigers, okay? It's a big difference between a lion and a tiger, okay? A lion is communal. They work well with other people. They work as a tribe. They have a hierarchical structure. They work as a family. Tigers don't work that way. Although they're extremely effective, they are extremely effective. Tigers are very selfish by nature. Tigers are loners and a tiger will kill you if it's not hungry. It'll, It'll just kill you. Right. So you, I mean, that type of individual works good independently outside of the system, sort of like a sniper works outside of the regular forces. This guy's achieving a goal. Tigers make great salesmen, saleswomen outside of the system. But when we talk about a communal system, well, then you need lions. Okay. You need lions. And so that's what I look for. And I do tons of, you know, personality or temperament assessments, um, I get under the hood because we hire for skill, but we fire for attitude. Oh, really? Not the other way around? A lot of times we hire, well, not me. I, I've learned my lesson. <laughs> a lot of times we hire for the skill set. This person's great, this talented, this person can do the job, blah, blah, blah. They seem friendly. But then after a while, like this person doesn't work well with others. This person has a bad attitude. This person this and this and this and this. You know, it's not just skill set. It's just, you know, your attitude sucks. You know, we just can't wait to the next round of layoffs because you're going to be on that list. Yeah,
1: because I heard this differently, stated differently, that you hire for attitude because the skill set, they can learn the skill set if they got the right attitude. But if they don't have the attitude, even if they are very skilled, you're yeah. not going to use them. But it's exactly, what, essentially the same thing what you're saying is yeah. you want to hire with both, right? You well, want to hire. Well, or the person who's the attitude and the skill set. And if they don't have the attitude, you let
0: let go of them and you bring someone else. What I'm it. saying is that most people hire off a skill set and they should Yeah, They should hire off of attitude, mm-hmm. that winning attitude, that drive. This is, this is why I love to hire former athletes. It's a no brainer mm-hmm. to hire a former athlete. Number one, he or she understands or at least understands the concept of discipline. They understand teamwork. They understand sacrificing one's uh, small goals for the greater good. In fact, uh, it's in Forbes, it was Forbes. Um, It said, I believe it was a high number, like over 90% of a ton of female executive C-level suites were I believe either former high school or collegiate athletes because they understand that concept. Which is unfortunate because today it's not taught. We're taught the opposite, these young kids. You know, we're taught the Facebook, MySpace, you know, it's all <laughs> selfie. It's, it's 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 a very selfish, self-centered culture. And that is not how you win. You have to be able to build effective and efficient and powerful teams to win. And that, I mean, if you look at some of the wealthiest most powerful groups and people in the world. They all work as a team. Bill Gates, Paul Allen, Warren Buffett, Charlie, Mick Jagger, Keith Richards. <laughs> the list goes on. The best had teams. Yeah.
1: I mean, uh, venture capitalists are looking for founder partners. They don't want to invest in the a- individual a person they want to invest in teams of founders who can work well together and who can support yes. each other yes. and if you're just the one person with the idea then you first have to find your partner and then you can yes. go to raise the uh, venture capital that's yes. that's very true. so what is the big goal again you know i know I'm, i asked this question a couple more times, a couple of times before but what is the big uh, you know jim collins calls it the big hairy auditious goal so what's the big harry audacious goal for American service and protection? If it's not confidential, if it's confidential, you know we can talk
0: about something else. But
1: what, what is your like, Big what's hairy, the NFL
0: trophy cool. for, for you? Yeah, so I'll tell you, I won't mention the actual specific goal, but I'll tell you the purpose of the goal. Okay. Okay. So purpose, uh, the purpose of the goal is to leverage the organization to feed orphans and children, um, to feed the poor and the sick around the world. I want to be a conduit of goodness, a conduit of God, not only God, but what he represents of love, of charity, of forgiveness, of grace. And there's no better way I feel that it can be done is outside of, you know, business. You know, that if you look at some of the and whether you believe in the Bible or not, whether, you know, when you look at the, the characters in the Bible, you know, a large portion of them, they weren't priests. They were businessmen, you know, and, so, and, and and yeah, so it's not only for them to hear God, but to see God, as I mentioned in charity and and just, you know, clothing and, and, and it's just too much is not happening and we're depending on the government and it's our job the people need to step up and give some of that wealth away. So would the, everyone have to be religious in your organization?
1: To oh, be no,
0: no, listen, listen, I have, I have people who are agnostic, I have atheists, I have people who are a part of a, you know, alternative lifestyle, you know, it's, it's all there. I mean, in fact, if I were to discriminate or say, you know, that is the antithesis or the opposite of God, God is love. You know, it's like, you know, it's I need you to see love through me. I need you to see grace through me. And that's for everyone and everything. You honor all. Honor is big. I'm a principle guy. I might not, you know, you know, it's some people are like, well, you got to have good character. You know, character is okay. I mean, it's, it's cool. But principles are even deeper. And you have to know a person's core principles to really understand them. And, you know, I am big on family. I am big on trust. I am big on respect. I'm big on love. These are some of my core principles that I, you know, tick to like a clock. I tick off these bad boys. And so guess what, when you get, when you start working with American services, you're working with my family. You're working with my family and I'm I'm not gonna let my family member go without. And that's the way I've looked at it. And it's been a blessing. Rough, yes, it's rough.
1: It's going to put a lot of pressure on you if, if you operate this way. So uh, that's really fascinating. So, Sean, let me switch gears here. I'd really like to ask you about this idea of bringing principles of business from the NFL over to your private businesses and also your charitable organization. Are there some frameworks that really work well for the NFL, how the NFL as a business operates, and how you know the kind of processes that the NFL uses – and NFL teams use that work in a business and you see uh, it's transportable to uh,
0: to a small to medium so let's just take which is one of my favorite subjects let's just take goal setting okay okay in the NFL you know it's or in sports it's really simple okay we want to win the championship <laughs> that's it that's it okay that's the goal is to win the championship right now, what's so amazing is, is that then from there, which is, is really complex, you got the offense and the defense and you have you know, every, all these different people and all these different sides of the ball, basically what they are is that they're systems, okay? You have the offense has a system, the plays that they run, the defense, there's a system. And systems have to not only uh, work independently, more importantly, they have to overlap and work together. The trainer's working with a system. And so from, from that victory all the way down to the ball boy, he or she is operating off of a system. What happens is that you know we put a lot of emphasis on the, you know, getting our goals and having the smart goals and blah, 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 blah. But we don't put enough emphasis on the system. And we don't leave wiggle room to make tweaks in our system. Okay, the process is the product. Okay, we're taught you're going to make it achieve your goal and this is the framework or whatever, and then you go. No, and the NFL is the opposite. We're gonna work hard, and when we work hard, we're going to achieve the byproduct of our system is the goal. And then there's one deeper step, which, which is not talked about a lot, and that's your habits. So now you have habits, you have systems, and then you have the goals. And so your habits breed and generate uh, momentum in your systems and then which will allow you to achieve your goals more efficiently so i'll give you an example when i played for the rams there was a guy named jackie slater now jackie slater's probably the best offensive lineman who's ever played the game he's played about 20 years professional football jackie slater is was was a person that i looked up to when i went to the rams okay now most people don't know is the system that Jackie played under was under Coach Knox. There was the system. Okay. But what Jackie would do is 20 minutes before every practice, he would make me grab a bag. And I would grab a punching bag and I would go outside with him with a punching bag. And he would hold the bag up and I would have to punch this bag. I would have punched this bag. He would no, I'm sorry. He would he would he would punch the bag every single day for 20 minutes before practice that was a habit. And and there was other things that he would do before practice started. And then once practice was over, there was another ritual, another set of habits. And so he had the habits that fed into the system that fed into the goal. And so these are some of the things that I've learned um, in the NFL, we call it the edge because everyone has a system. Mm -hmm. Most people in entrepreneurs and corporations, they have a system, but what are your habits? Well,
1: not everyone has a system or not everyone has a documented system. It's one thing to have a system in general in your head and it's another thing to have a documented system that you consistently manage to produce the results that you want and your people are following
0: it. That's a different type of system. You're right. I stand corrected on that. You are right. But you know uh, what? The amazing thing about having a good system, one of the telltale signs that you have a great system is the ease of scaling.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You can scale a system.
1: Mm -hmm. So Sean, uh, give me an example. So uh, give me an example if that exists in your business of a habit or a set of habits that you are leveraging to uh, improve the system and to achieve the goal.
0: Right, so I have this insane habit of driving around and talking to my competitors, I just have a conversation i don't headhunt that's dishonorable you know i don't try to hire them that's dishonorable but i just strike up a conversation not like hey what you guys paying over there how's it going over there like are they hiring oh yeah you want a job oh wow this person is excited to talk about their company all right must be a pretty good culture Mm -hmm. yeah well you know, I don't like it here much and this this going on and man, they had a big fire, a big blow and they're going to lose a contract. Don't just go on and you don't want to work here. I'm like, okay, i just take notes because in the NFL, we were taught that, you know, we have a whole scouting department. We have a scouting department and their job is they watch every film of every athlete of the opposing team. They probably put, well, the athletes put in about 25 hours a week just on film study. We study everything. We study the weakness, their strengths. We study tendencies, who's injured, who's not injured. By the end of a season, we know how many times every single play was ran and who was in or the personnel that was in when the play was ran and the success and the failure of that play. That's how much we understand our competition. Corporate America, we don't do that. So my habit is, I go out and I ask questions, and you'd be surprised. Or when I interview and I see that person work for another company, well, how is it? Oh man, this and that. We had a contract here, contract there. Really, contract. Well, that's good. That's good. <laughs> you are know, just learning. Just to, or you know what? They got great best practices. Like one guard said you know asked them are they hiring she was excited yes she pulled out and gave me her business card and i said wow i said so does every security officer have their own business cards oh yes and we have incentives to do everything if we find somebody if we do this i'm like whoa that's it. that's best practices oh man i can't wait to implement that one ah Mm mm-hmm you got a hundred officers working. You got a hundred eyes out. You got two hundred eyes out there. Oh yeah,
1: two hundred salespeople. Potential, yeah. especially if they inc- if they're inculcated on your culture and they project your culture. Yeah, and they're going to attract people, right? Like That's them. It. That's it. That's exactly right. So, how do you communicate with your people? What is what is great communication in your book? Great communication for
0: me is. Um, It's not only written communication, we talk, you know, as far as meetings and everything like that on the phone, but I love face-to-face. I I absolutely love face-to-face communication and that's one of our challenges. Uh, We get our officers in here. We have to get them in here and we listen to them. We value them and we hear what's being said and what's not being said because over 80 to 90% of all communication is nonverbal. So you got to get them in the office, you got to sit them down, you got to talk to them, see where they're at, see where they're going, Um, uh, 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 their their actual needs. And so I use like a forming technique, you know, and, you know, I'll throw it out there because, you know, people train on it, people use it. It's form. So I want to know about your family, your occupation, what you do for recreation, then my message, okay? And then I shut up. Tell me about your family. How's it going? What's going on? It's form. Okay, great. Occupation as a security officer. How's it going here at American Services? Any needs? Any concerns? Okay, that's good. Hey, you know, what do you do for fun? What do you do for fun? You know, it tells me, and then my message, and I speak off of what was just given to me. I think that you're doing a great job, or you're not doing such a great job, or this is what needs to happen. You know what? And how I could tie this into maybe your family or recreation. So it's form. And I learned that. I mean, there are other people who have taught it, but the, probably the best teacher of that is this lady this lady named Danny Johnson out of Kerrville, Texas. She does a great job teaching that.
1: Wow. That's pretty interesting. You know, what I teach to my clients is uh, we have a process uh, which we call the 555. Five, five. And it's basically somewhat similar. So it's sitting down with your direct reports every quarter and you talk about the five core values of the organization to make sure that they understand, they leave the core values, you give them feedback, they give feedback to you. The second one is their five roles. This is your occupation. So what are their roles? And are they executing on their roles? Uh, are they making the most of their function? Are they expanding their function? Are they the mini CEO of that function? And are they getting the most out of their function as they should? And the third one is the, we call them rocks. It's, It's your goals for the quarter. So what are your priorities for that quarter? What is holding you back? What is challenging you? Are you making progress? How can I help you with your priorities? So there are three topics. And I guess when you have discussed these three topics and you help the other person, with, their, with the culture so that they are a good fit for the company with the uh, the major objectives of the organization, with their roles, then you they're going to be receptive to your message. Even if it's not positive, you can give them some uh, some constructive
0: feedback there. That's awesome. That's five, five, five. I got it. I wrote that down. To...
1: <laughs> what about leadership? What is great leadership in your eyes, uh, Sean?
0: Wow. You know, I, I think that the, the safe would you know, phrase would be that leadership is influence and that people talk about leadership being influence. I think that leadership is something that you really can't describe in words. It's it's, it's being able, in my opinion, to extract and to bring the best out of a person while moving them forward. And it's really, there isn't a phrase for that in my vocab. It's how can I take you to the next level as an individual, not just as a worker, not just as an employee, but as an individual. How can I increase your influence, take you to the next level and grow you and create a culture that you can grow in Mm -hmm. and be mindful of that. That to me is effective leadership is growth in a person In a person not just are they producing but are they reproducing in their life and that to me is is one of the most important roles of a leader and as i'm talking to you i'm talking to myself right now i'm kind of giving myself a spanking right now is that you are the you are you are responsible for the growth of the people in your culture Mm -hmm. or in your immediate uh, area of influence. What if you can't help them? What do you do then? If you can't help them, then they don't need to be around you because someone else can. But at the end of the day, that person needs to go and grow to the next level because it's so much more important than the numbers it is. It's so much more important than a paycheck. Although that is the team goal, and that's where we're going to, but when I played football, I knew, especially in college, I knew being on a doubt, without my college coach, Bill Mallory, I knew he loved me as a man. And that allowed me to play even more because it's like, you know what? He loves me. I, in fact, I remember when I I had I had graduated like 10 years prior, 10 years prior. And out the blue, I see that 812 number. I said, that's Bloomington. That's my alma mater, Indiana University. And I'm like, and it's coach Mallory, Sean. Like, yes, coach. Mallory. <laughs> yes, Coach Mallory, how you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. That's, just thought about you. Tell me, did you graduate? Yes, coach. Okay. You. you need a job? How's your family? Good, everything going all right? Are you in shape? You got fat? No, coach. I'm, <coughs> I'm okay on I'm fat now. No, coach. All right. Just checking in with you. You and my boys. 10 years later. I can't do nothing for them. Can't do nothing for it. I'm done. I'm done playing football, 10 years out the game. In fact, he's not even coaching no more, I don't think. He's done, but yet I was one of his boys and he was gonna look after me till the day he died. By the way, he passed last year, one of the saddest moments of my life. That was like my daddy died. That to me is leadership. And I guarantee you, if he was still alive, and I was acting up, and he found out about it. <laughs> <laughs> Harper, I died, daggone you, Harper, kick, your. I'm telling you, because you know why? Because I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it. Guys that, you know, went on and they, you know, sent an article or whatever, like, man, Coach Mallory called me and got me straight. That's right.
1: So you've got a, an organization, you've got a great purpose. You have a big goal that you cannot share with me, but that's OK. I don't you know, I don't expect to. How do you create alignment in your people so that they are all fully focused on the big goal?
0: Well, it goes back to what I said earlier about sales. You have to sell. But in order to effectively sell, you have to sell yourself. But in order to sell yourself, you have to be in agreement. And this is one of the challenges that I've been dealing with personally. Okay. I'm not the kind of guy who has all the answers, but it's like, I see disorganization or disunity in certain areas of my company. Before I got to look out, I got to look in, where are you disjoined at? Because your message is not coming across 100% authentic. There's a disconnect somewhere. So you have to be connected spirit, So and body and and, and you might be looking for a systematic answer. This is what I do in the four steps that I take, but this is more of an ambiguous answer to where you know what, you have to be sold 100%. They call it in sports and in poker, you have to be all in. Mm-hmm. Are you all in? Because if you're not, people will pick up on that. And leaders, you have, any leader, if you're listening to me right now, before they buy into vision, they buy into you, John Maxwell. OK, so you have to make sure that you are in agreement. And this is another true case. It just happened right over the weekend. I'm a motivational speaker. So I travel, I speak, I, I do a lot of corporate speaking. I love speaking. Um, I speak you know, youth groups. I speak corporate. The company that I ride under is Bridge Builders International. It's my company. Um, um, and I've decided to. St- establish a different price point as far as my engagements and they were suggesting well you should have a price point this should be your price point but it didn't feel right to me but then a number just came out of my soul like bam that's your number and that's my number that's where i'm going with i am not going to mention all that but
1: so you have to be in agreement with yourself is what you're saying
0: you have to be in so agreement. Sure.
1: So, you're saying that you have to be, which is basically having a, a deep conviction, is what it means? Or what does it
0: mean? So, when an athlete steps on the field and it's like, I'm going to win this game, you know, everything in me says that I'm going to win. Spirit, so body, I'm in agreement. And so, when you see that, then you're operating and you are congruent. I mentioned body language, right? And so, one of the ways that people in law enforcement tell you if you're lying, they'll ask you the same question like four or five times, and they're looking for a break in your body language. So if you say, well, yes, this way, then you have your arms folded, and you say, yes, do another again, and you're doing this. Well, yes, and then you're looking away, there's disagreement somewhere in you. There's, there is isn't agreement. Or if you're saying, I'm so happy to be here, but your foot is facing the door, you're lying. Or there's something there's there's an aspect of you that's not in agreement, okay? So there's a disalignment, there's a disagreement somewhere, mm-hmm. and you have to you know as a leader you have to be able to go in and man you have to break that. So I saw this interview, this little like twenty second clip of a guy interviewing Serena Williams, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, "Well, Serena, you know, are you?" can you beat this guy? And she's like, yes, I can beat him. And then he says, are you sure? She's like, yes. And then he says, but are you, and then all of a sudden her dad jumps up and it's like, what are you doing? Why are you trying to basically put instability in this world champion? Why are you trying to break that in her right now? And he jumped up, man. He almost you could just you could Google it. And because once you have that disalignment, that disagreement, it weakens your resolve. So you have to be as a leader, you have to be all in. You have to be focused. You have to be dedicated. And that is a challenge in our current society because we're not all in, all in as we used to, you know, be, you know, we used to be at the office all day, like doing this and working hard. Now we're on office, now we're on PlayStation and we're doing this. And, Facebook and this is that and, and I got this. Go- it kills It kills your resolve. It kills it. It breaks it down.
1: So how do you scale that? How do you scale that? You say when you sell your people in order to get alignment, you sell them individually. They all have different needs and different hot buttons and you sell them individually, but is this scalable? Can you grow your company based on this personal selling or somehow it can be elevated to to a higher level system, which, which
0: uh, works on a bigger. It's not, it's not a hundred percent science. It's not, especially for the price point that I'm paying as a security officer, right? It's not, it's, it, isn't, it isn't there as much as I would like for it to be, but I've learned to look for it. I've learned to look for that trait. I've learned to look for that person who is, who is dedicated, who is all in. And that's why I like to hire former athletes. And I like to create an environment. The culture, your culture, people don't put enough emphasis on that. Your culture is, is everything. And so I try to create that culture to where there is internal accountability. There is internal encouragement uh, to actually you know, be the best that you can be in every facet of that. So you know, how do you, you know, create that type of a culture Um, There's 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 tons of there's there's tons of incentives. There's uh, levels of open communication where people can talk and discuss things. There's tons of flexibility as long as we're moving forward. I take off the pressure of perfection and I pick up the mantle of progression. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Are we moving in the right direction? Are we moving in the right direction? You got to learn how to turn the pressure on. You got to learn how to take the pressure off. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're moving. We're moving in the right direction. Let's keep moving. If we get this much better each day, this, this much, like an inch, like a half an inch, like that, like that, very much each day over the course. Of a year, over the course of a year, as long as we don't go backwards.
1: Yeah. 1% a day. Mm-hmm. That's huge. That's huge. Okay. That's fascinating. Lots of good information. Uh, very good energy as well. I think uh, you you should. I think many of our listeners are going to reach out to you to hear how you can uh, maybe get booked for a speaking engagement. So, if they're looking for you, what's
0: the best way to connect with you? Yeah. So, first and foremost, my website is seanharper.org. Also, you know, there's actual ways that you can book contact information. You had mentioned that I wrote a book, I actually have another book out on. Book on us, my third book out, but I'm just going to focus on the one that you mentioned. And we are talking about that winning edge and you know, techniques and strategies to bring the winner out in you. Well, guess what? If you go to seanharper.co, seanharper.co, you can download that book for free. It's you know, because it doesn't come to you if it can't get through you, you know. So,
1: yeah, I'm gonna go there right away, I'm going to check it out. Yeah, so this. Uh, Seanharper.com and there's Seanharper.co. Both Sean of them are you guys dot guys? org. new
0: okay. Yes. All right. Yes.
1: Great. And there's a new LinkedIn page as
0: well. Yeah. You, you can look me up at uh, Sean Harper on LinkedIn. Um, my Instagram is Sean Harper Speaker. I have a ton of content on there. There's a ton of great content on there. So, yep. So who is your ideal audience for your message? What is the ideal audience? My actual ideal audience is I love, I don't know why. I just love corporations, entrepreneurs with around 75 to 500 employees. I just love that. Mm-hmm. Um, or if I'm speaking to like like I I've, I've spoken for a lot of of larger conglomerates, I love to speak to the, you know, middle to upper management. I just love it. Coaching wise, I love speaking to uh, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and C-level suites mm-hmm. uh, as is as, as far as that is concerned. Um, I just love to help people get unstuck, unlock their goals, teams, and dreams. I love it.
1: Goals, cool, teams, and dreams. Yeah, I love that too. So that's great. Great having you on the show, uh, Sean. And uh, for my audience, stay tuned next week for another exciting entrepreneur coming on the show. Thank you, Sean. Thank you.
0: This was the Prof Serve Traction Podcast with Steve Prada. To learn how your professional services or technology business could break through the ceiling with EOS, visit tractionequity.com.